Yes, I'm in. Okay. Hi. Nice to uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. Sorry, but I'm just getting carpal tunnel something fierce with all the typing I'm doing lately. So uh, I thought this might be a little bit more, uh, well, a little easier for me. And remember, it's all about my convenience. So you had uh, some comments or questions about um, uh, Microsoft? I, w I was just saying that um, before the uh, Department of Justice case, um, and I'm not sure if, if this was included in the Department of Justice case, but uh, it used to be where if you were a Microsoft OEM, especially if you were a Windows OEM, um, Microsoft would not allow you to enter preferred markets unless you were a non-compete signer, which means you couldn't sell a computer that had, you know, any other operating system on there or a customized version of, you know, such and such piece of software. And, um, you know, it is contractual, so I'm not saying that's wrong or anything, but they, it's definitely uh, not a very free market way to do business, in my opinion. <laughs> Okay, and, and you may well be right, um, but tell me what you mean by a free market then. Oh, I just mean, uh, you know, not, not using, um, you know, the heavy hand of, of, of government to uh, secure your places in markets, I suppose. Okay, and how is it that Microsoft, through putting this contract in with people, was using the heavy hand of government? Well, they were uh, they were relying on um, you know things like uh, um, copyright law and um, you know a rash of other statutes. I don't know if they were you know federal mostly or, or state, but um, definitely a few. So sorry, your your issue is is with copyright, not with this contract. Is that right? Uh, no, not specifically. It was just uh, you know one example I could think of with re with regards to Microsoft and uh, them not being uh, as competitive as they could be. Okay, and I, I'm sorry, but I'm just I'm just having trouble understanding the language that you're using because surely being able to enter into into a voluntary contract that is enforceable is not a bad thing, right? I mean, when I buy a house. It's voluntary for me to buy a house, and I expect the bank not to sell the house simultaneously to somebody else, right? Right. So um, I'm just trying to follow, and I'm not saying you're wrong because I don't know enough of the details of this particular case, and we can certainly talk more about that. But um, uh, I just want to – because you're saying, well, they, they entered into a contract wherein they would offer benefits – to certain people in return for exclusivity, is that right? I think that's basically the idea. Um, I, I don't know the you know uh, details, but I'm pretty sure that was the reason why, um, or not not the reason why, but that was the reason uh, uh, for 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 the um, for the agreement. If if you are a Microsoft OEM, you would have to agree to only sell their products, or else. You know, you, you would have your your benefits revoked, I guess. Right. Okay. And and I'm I'm not sure how that is um, not uh, freedom. Um, I I just I don't think that uh, it's maybe the the best way to uh, 
to make your product um, you know popular in, in the marketplace it seems like the merit of the pro- of the product would be a, a little better to do it maybe rather than you know threatening a lot of lawsuits against people so it's your opinion that they should have done it a different way is that right yeah in my opinion okay um, and sorry, sorry, and I'm, I'm just trying to uh, to understand what this means. So you would prefer that Microsoft did it a different way? Um, I don't know if I would prefer it. It's just my opinion that maybe they maybe they could do it better. It's not it's not my you know preference. I, I really don't care that much what Microsoft does, but. Um, you know, just from a, a, a competitive standpoint, it seems like, you know, standing on the merits of your product is a little better than just, you know, requiring that your vendors only sell you, I guess. Well, but they they are in fact – I mean just my experience or my understanding of it, they are certainly standing on the merit of their product, right? I mean if I go to Dell, if I write an operating system this weekend and I go to Dell and I say – you can sell my operating system on your computers as long as you don't sell uh, Microsoft or or any other operating system. What are they going to do? Uh, you are probably going to have a difficult time. Well, they're going to laugh in my face, right? Right. And so it, it, it is because of the strength of the Microsoft product that they are able to offer uh, that uh, benefit to people, right? So, for instance, earlier, this would be, I guess, in the... Oof, late 80s or early 90s, they, um, they had an, a, an agreement which caused a lot of people to be upset, which said that if you were a computer manufacturer like Compaq or whatever back then, if you uh, – sorry, whoever's uh, just joined, if you could uh, turn off your uh, – if you could mute yourself. Um, th- they had this deal where it said, okay, if you sell 10,000 computers, you can only get Microsoft DOS – on your computers if you buy 10,000 copies. Like, we're not going to sell you one unless we sell you them all, right? Yeah. And and that bothered a lot of people, right? They're upset and, and so on, right? I'm, and, I'm sure it did, yeah. But, uh, of course, uh, that uh, I don't think that there was anything wrong with that. Uh, and, of course, the reason that they did it, whether we agree with the statist solution to property rights in terms of intellectual property or not, and I certainly don't. But um, the, the reason they were able to do it was because otherwise they would have just – everybody would have just stolen the the property, right? They would have just taken it freedom, free. I mean, because that's, um, that that's what was happening to DR-DOS, digital research's version, and so on, right? If Microsoft had, uh, uh, had said, okay, well, if you only sold 5,000 copies of uh, DOS, even though you sold 10,000 computers, you only have to pay us for 5,000, because the computer uh, field has always been so cutthroat uh, in terms of the, the price, then all that would have happened is people would have reported that they'd sold far fewer copies than they actually had, and Microsoft, they would have just copied this long before copy protection. There was no internet to, uh, to activate the software. And so they just would have ripped it off, right? Maybe. 
Oh, no, no, not maybe. Uh, sorry, <laughs> this part I know for sure, right? Because that's what's oh, okay. happening. I mean, that's what's, what's happening. I mean, Microsoft didn't just put this contentious business pra- practice into place because they just woke up one day and said, that's it. We want to, you know, make a corner people with this kind of stuff. But they were just getting ripped. Like they would send people in to buy computers. They would send people in to buy computers and those people would not be charged for DOS. But DOS would be on the computer. I mean, <clears throat> they did a lot of research. They don't just wake up one day and say, ooh, let's do this contentious thing, right? They were pretty desperate because stuff was just being handed out like candy. Well, you're, you're talking about piracy, right? Oh, yeah. If I understand. Oh, okay. So there was a, there was a lot of uh, DOS piracy with the, with the pre-installed versions. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, if you go to if you go to countries, the countries that intellectual property laws, you find that you know just you know take a trip down uh, you know busy street in Hong Kong, and you just about anything you want uh, without respect to you know intellectual property. So that 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 doesn't surprise me. Right. I mean, and and so that was um, the issue that they they had. Right. And again, I. We, we could sort of argue about uh, whether or not the status solution to uh, intellectual property is correct, and I'm sure that we would say that it's not. But certainly, if you have a contract with someone that says every time you give away or every time you install my operating system, you owe me 50 bucks, if that's a voluntary contract that other people sign, then you have the right to have that contract upheld, I would say. Uh, Harvey, do you have uh, headphones on? Or? Is it is it uh, echoing? Uh, I'm, someone's echoing. I don't know who it is. We got like ten people in the call, but I'm hearing you pretty good. I'm not good. I'm not hearing too many echoes. I'm hearing I'm hearing a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, moving the the microphone or anything. Microphone or anything. Any uh, echo? Okay, well, just if you're not talking, if you could mute, uh, not you, Harvey, but other people, if you're not talking, that you could mute. And, uh, you know, again, this is uh, something that I was, uh, I listened to this uh, podcast, actually a very good podcast called uh, Econ Talk, which is at econtalk.org. And they were talking about Macy's the other day uh, and the, these economists, and they were, they were sort of saying, well, why is it that Macy has a shoe department? What they should do is they should raffle off the floor space on their of, the, of their shoe department to some other vendor who comes in and sets their shoes so that they can constantly, um, uh, you know, get the best people, get the best price, get competition and so on. And economists go kind of crazy trying to figure out why they don't do that, what could be the possible advantages and so on. And this guy was saying is, well, we don't need to. Like, what we know is that Macy's is a big successful store that's been around for a long time. So if they're doing this, they have a damn good reason. Like, I remember reading an entire chapter in a book on economics where, um, uh, where, where they were sort of saying, well, why is it that, that popcorn is so expensive in movie theaters? Because it costs pennies to produce and they charge like $2.50. And the general consensus was that some people like to eat popcorn and some people don't. And if you lower the price of popcorn, you have to raise the price of tickets. 
right? Because movie houses make more profit off their concessions than they do off the movies. So if you say, okay, well, popcorn cost me a nickel to produce, so I'll sell it for 50 cents, then you'll draw a lot of people in, but you'll have to raise the price of movie tickets, which will make them more expensive for people who don't like popcorn. So they just try and find some happy balance and so on. But, but this guy was uh, – so the, the way that you'd approach this is you'd say, well, it doesn't really matter. We just know it's optimal because there are lots of people fighting for movie-going dollars, and I'm sure that they've done the best that they can if they're in a free market situation. We, we can be sure that they've done the best that they can to optimize it, and they have good reasons. And I, for one, could never understand why they don't just sit down with a movie – like somebody who runs a movie house and say, why do you do this? And they'll just tell them. I mean, I don't know why they have to sit there and theorize in a vacuum. It seems kind of almost like the, theologians. But um, in the same way, if a highly successful company like Microsoft makes a business decision, I mean, it may be the wrong decision, and certainly they have made bad decisions, um, Windows ME, perhaps Vista, <laughs> and the failure to, to sort of get up to speed on the internet relatively soon. But, um, uh, but I think that we can assume that they've done a lot of work to try and figure out what the most optimal solution is, if that makes sense. And again, that doesn't mean that it's the perfect solution, but it means that they're dealing with a lot more knowledge than you and I will. I generally would give them the benefit of the doubt, which doesn't mean anything other than that would just be my opinion. But I would have a tough time arguing business decisions with like one of the most successful businessmen in history. To me, to me, that's sort of like saying, well, I think Einstein should have taken a different approach to relativity. I mean, that, that takes some serious stones. Some people have it, and maybe they're right, but I sure don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is a very different situation from uh, a, uh, a, a government environment, right? Yes. And that's, that's the part that I think, because, and, and this is just what was going on in the chat window, right, that that people don't like to I – mean, I'm not saying you, but, but people often don't really like to talk about that difference. Everybody knows in their gut what the difference is between a private company and a corporation, right? That private company, you don't have to lift a finger and you haven't given them any money. But with governments, all you have to do is be born and you're on the hook uh, in terms of having to provide them with you know, half or a third of your income for the rest of your life. Uh, or, you know, be thrown in jail. And th that's a huge difference. And that's something that, uh, um, that's something that that's, the people seem to spend a lot of time avoiding. I'm not saying you, right? But, but people do. I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe it's just an ugly truth to look at. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, Microsoft having maybe not the best contract is, you know, somehow immoral or anything like that. I wouldn't make it. 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 Just it just seems like 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 of of free enterprise and competition that those 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 I'm sorry, I'm going to just have to interrupt you for a second. Uh, we're getting a kind of broken record situation. Uh, do, do you have anything else using the internet or, or anything at the moment? We're just, you're getting a kind of blurp, blurp, blurp sort of cycle on your language? No, I, I don't have anything going that's sucking up, sucking up, sucking up. Anybody else that has a, a question or something, uh, uh, I can uh, mute my mouth, mute my mouth, mute my mouth, mute my mouth. 
okay, yeah, sorry. I'm not sure why you're looping like that. Um, that's a new thing for Skype. Um, so uh, I know that we've got a T1 on the server, so I don't think it's that. But uh, okay, if we, we don't have to uh, spend a lot of... Uh, I don't think it's the speaker thing, because normally that's not quite as precise as that. You get an echo while they're talking. But um, uh, and, and you think he said he was on headphones. But okay, I think that was all that he wanted to mention. Uh, if anybody else had any sort of questions or comments about that. I mean, I just, I find it, it's a really volatile topic. I mean, we, we just had this fellow Charles who was in the chat window and I'm, I am sorry for, for, you know, if I botched in and, and scattered the, the conversation as it was, um, who was saying, well, yes, you know, the government, I have problems with government, but what about corrupt corporations? And I think that there's a problem insofar as it's really hard for people to differentiate between the free market, the government, and predatory companies that use the government to get what they want. I mean, there's almost no bigger enemy of the free market than a large businessman or a big business person. Uh, because uh, it, it, since there is a government with almost infinitely deep, uh, an almost infinitely deep public purse, we have the situation where companies can appeal to the government for protection. Uh, and you can see this with things like sugar subsidies and, and farm subsidies and or, or I guess the farmer subsidies and so on, that they're just constantly clamoring for, for government. And then people say, well, in the absence of that government, those companies will still continue to do what they do. Right? So you've got these companies that prey on the taxpayers through the mechanism of the government. And then people imagine like if you take away the supports for this bridge, this bridge will still stand. And the anarchist perspective, or I should say at least my perspective, is, com is the complete opposite. That if you take away the government, what you're doing is you're taking away a financial way of offloading the costs of enforcing protection from the companies to the government. So it's sort of like uh, slave, slave owning, right? So if you're a slave owner, the only way that that can be financially feasible or viable is if the government goes and catches your slaves for you and brings them back. Because if the government stops, and this is how it happened in Brazil when slavery ended, the government just stopped catching slaves and bringing them back, right? And if, uh, if that happens, like if the government simply stops enforcing, say, an import ban on sugar, then what happens? Well, the, the people who are currently benefiting from the artificially high prices in the U.S. market because of an import ban or a high tariff on sugar, what are they going to do? Are they going to all band together and pool their resources and start inspecting every container coming into the United States to see if there's any sugar in there? And are they going to hire their own military? And are, gonna hire, are they going to create their own court system? Are they going to create their own prisons? Of course not. The only way that something like a sugar tariff is ever conceivably remotely sustainable is if you get the poor bastards who have to pay more for sugar because of that tariff to also, have, to also pay for the enforcement of that tariff. If you take the government out of the equation, it is no longer profitable to prey upon the people because you have to – each company would have to replicate or group of companies would have to replicate 
all of these essential government functions that are required for the pillaging of the population, like the Coast Guard, the, the customs officials, the import-export inspection crews, the prisons, the law courts, the military to enforce it all. The, I mean, it would be crazy. There's no conceivable way that in the absence of a central collective agency of violence that companies could conceivably afford to individually replicate the functions of government, especially since there wouldn't be a monopoly on government. Right. So what would happen is, you know, sugar company, if it even was deranged enough to try and come up with all these government replacements, would face some other (laughs) uh, parallel system that opposed it that was coming. It It would never happen. It could never conceivably happen. It is only because there is this massive government power that exists that people want to hook into to use for their own benefit, to bribe the politicians to uh, steal from the people to pay the enforcers. If that is gone, the predatory corporations, which is what I think this Charles fellow was, was talking about, the predatory corporations will immediately and permanently vanish. You can't have it as a fiscally productive approach to come up with your own replacement government as a private corporation as a means of stopping, say, all sugar that you don't want to come into the U.S. from coming into the U.S. So I just sort of wanted to – there's a big misunderstanding about that, that, that there are all these companies that prey on the taxpayers through through political shenanigans and, and corruption and bribery and campaign donations and this and that and the other. And if you take the government away, that all goes with it. That all ceases with it. If you can get somebody else to pay for the enforcement of your corruption, of your greed – then of course all that's going to do is exacerbate greed. Once you have to pay for it yourself, it is such a staggeringly bad deal that there's just no way that it can be sustainable. I actually have written an article or two on this where I've gone through some of the math, uh, just that it is completely unsustainable for any sugar company or any group of sugar companies to attempt to inspect every container coming into the U.S. to make sure that there's no sugar imports coming in. It just would never happen. They would be uh, forced to go into the free market that way. So anyway, I just want to sort of mention that to, uh, to start off. But um, uh, I'm certainly happy to, uh, to, if any other sort of questions are around, uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear them or you guys can talk to each other. It's up to you. You have to unmute yourself if you are about to talk. Hey, uh, how does this sound? Is it uh, less staticky than it was before? I put headphones on this time, and and uh, I plugged directly into the sound card rather than um, using the uh, the built-in speakers with the external microphone. That is pretty damn sexy. You're turning me on. I have a, I have a, I have a, just, 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 uh, not possible. I, I I don't know what's going on. If you've got something else, uh, or if you've got a really slow connection to the internet, but it is uh, really uh, yeah. If you could just type there, that would be that would be excellent. That would be excellent. That would be excellent. That would be, no. I'm just kidding. That was me.
<laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't know what your version of Skype is. Uh, you might want to. Uh, you might want to upgrade. I'm not sure. Oh, latest version. Yeah, that's strange. I don't know what it is, um, but it's happening. Everyone's getting the same problem with the uh, the looping in your audio. Uh, anybody else? While he's typing the question in, if anybody else had a question or comment about that or any other topics. Well, I, I'm just curious to uh, get your perspective on how um, uh, you're aware of how uh, Gates got his start, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he um, he got an exclusive deal with uh, with IBM, and yeah. So he, and, he, yeah, go ahead. And he bought he bought his uh, uh, he bought his operating system off some guy for seventy five grand or something like that, if I remember rightly. Right, and I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure how legitimate these sources are or whatever. But the claim is that. Um, before that deal was inked, he was telling IBM he already had it. And, you know, the, the argument is that uh, he was sort of lying to IBM in order to just just to get the deal. Right? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really care about that stuff too much. I mean, a, we'll never know for sure. I'm sure, and and b, that doesn't matter right i mean if if uh, th- this is done in business quite a bit right where you oversell what you've got in order to get investors so you can build what you say you're going to uh i'm not saying that it's necessarily the the highest um uh, the highest standard of ethics but um the the real issue is is if i say I have a prototype half finished and if you give me a hundred thousand dollars i'll deliver the full working version in six months the, the only important thing there is, do I deliver the working version in six months? Now, if I don't deliver the working version in six months, then, you know, ownership of the company is, is lost or what, from me or whatever, right? Um, right. But, and but, also, there's, there's some responsibility there on, on IBM's part, too, for not actually checking up and... Well, Bill Gates was like twelve at this time, right? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, please, you know, it's like I'm, uh, you know, I, my dad's going to drive me to the meeting is not usually something that uh, that is a is a very big uh, confidence builder, right? <laughs> well, I, I guess he dropped out of college in order to do this, but and now that I think about it. Uh, <laughs> The way that he secured his his position after after that um, you're right it really doesn't matter how it started I mean, fundamentally yeah so, I mean okay. I would, yeah so the, and I think you made another point in the chat window which was that some companies that, that currently are gigalopolites would certainly not be so in a free market, and I think that's entirely true. Uh, if you look at some of the companies like uh, Archer Daniels Midland, uh, like Boeing, uh, and all of these other kind of companies, McDonnell Douglas, and so on, uh, these companies yep. are massive bloated monstrosities because they're getting PepsiCo and Disney. And- well, no, I'm just thinking more of the ones involved in the, in the military-industrial complex. 
uh, they're getting those regular cannonballs of of state cash directly to the stomach, right? And uh, oh, those ripples uh, go out quite a bit. Pharmaceutical companies and so on, who basically bribe politicians for subsidized drug, uh, subsidized drugs and extended patent protections. Uh, those companies would not be uh, nearly as big. Um, uh, unions, of course, would be much smaller and leaner. Uh, there would be an entirely different, I shouldn't say entirely, a largely different economic landscape. Uh, there, there's a great quote from a show that I'll, I'll pump again called The Wire in the second season where uh, a union man says rather in, bitter, in a rather embittered manner to someone after he, he donates a lot of money to a political campaign and basically gets screwed uh, out of it because uh, some someone else donated more. And he's like, you know, we used to build stuff in this country. We used to build stuff in this country. And now all we have is our hand in the next guy's pocket. And that, of course, is just an example of those that live by the sword shall die by the sword. Right? Unions banded together and sucked about $50 trillion out of the U.S. economy, thus driving an enormous number of companies overseas. Right? So they used politics to artificially inflate their own income uh, by uh, making sure that the enforcement of uh, uh, anti-scab practices was, was all outsourced to the government, right? So they got to keep all the profits of having a quasi-monopoly, and they got to outsource and screw the taxpayers with the costs of enforcement of that monopoly, which is almost always the case. And then, of course, unions get really pissed off because politicians don't care about them that much anymore. And why do politicians not care that much about unions anymore? Because they don't represent that many people anymore, because the high cost of union labor has driven a lot of jobs overseas, right? So that's, to me, kind of funny where the union guy is embittered because uh, politics isn't working for him anymore. But, of course, if you, live with the, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you rip off people uh, through the political realm, then, of course, you will end up being uh, left destitute. Unfortunately, of course, it, is, it was a generation or two prior that made the real killing uh, in uh, in the union activities, right, the mob bosses and so on, and now everybody's just left with the shit heap that's left over. But uh, that is a common sentiment, right? That that oh, the good old days when <laughs> you know politics used to work for us, and now they don't. And of course, now um, I mean, politicians don't give a rat's ass about the average voter. I mean, frankly, politician all the politicians care about is uh, moneylenders in China and Japan, right? I mean, it's got nothing to do with the average uh, – unions don't matter at all in the average – I mean, because they can survive with unions being pissed off at them at least for the remainder of their term. But if the money master is in, say, China or Japan or Luxembourg actually has a lot, strangely enough, or England decide to turn off the tap, I mean, the government collapses in about a week. So, of course, they've got their ears tuned to those people a lot more than anyone else, but – uh, anyway, I just sort of wanted to to point that out. The, the economic landscape would be very different, and a lot of the companies that are very large at the moment would would not be. Do you think that uh, given um, uh, the, the problematic nature of large corporations, do you think that it's just um, do you think it's just propaganda that gets people hyper focused on? Um, corporate wrongdoing rather than uh, government wrongdoing? Or do you think there's more to it than that? Well, I think that they're taught a lot to dislike corporations. Uh, of course, pe- people have a lot more dealings with corporations than they do 
with governments, right? Um, you work for a corporation, a corporation delivers uh, food to your grocery store, uh, you know, you, corporations are around in a way. But fundamentally, the reason that people pick on corporations is because corporations will listen to people, right? And governments don't, right? So, I mean, we, we've talked in this conversation about how in many, many interactions, the most rational person is the one who gets picked on, right? We just had this... Oh, that's a good point. Right, so we just had... I mean, the most responsive... The, the, the person who is the most responsive and the most rational will be the one who gets picked on. Uh, we just had this, this Christian fellow come by... Um, Tyler, his name was on the board. I'm not letting, I don't know if it's his real name or whatever. But, but he came by and was talking about how great his parents, who were Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints people, and he was talking about how great his parents were and what wonderful people they were and so on. And I said, well, you know, sorry to be blunt, but um, that's hard for me to understand because they subscribe to a belief system that says put atheists to death uh, and lots of other people too. And, uh, you know, a belief system that advocates rape and genocide, murder, slavery, and all this kind of stuff. So I said, if you're saying that people can believe all of that stuff and still be happy and good people, then that's a little hard for a philosopher to process because we go with reason equals virtue equals happiness. And if the beliefs are irrational and the actions that they advocate are evil, clearly, I mean, you have to be that complicated to go with rape or genocide as evil, then it's hard to understand how they can be happy and wonderful people. And, and this guy got really angry at me, right? And why did he, rather than talk to his parents about the limitations of the, to say the least, of the ethics in the Bible. Now, why did he get mad at me rather than go and talk to his parents? Because obviously it was creating a lot of anxiety in him. Well, because you're a lot less dangerous than they are. I'm not at all dangerous, right? He knows that I'm not going to mess him up, right? I'm not going to attack him. I'm not going to stalk him. I'm not going to, I don't know, report his IP as a spam monster. I'm not going to call the, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm a reasonable guy on the internet, right? I might get a little irritable or whatever, but uh, I, he's got nothing to fear from me, right? Well, absolutely. Right. And it's the same thing with corporations versus the government. And it's the same reason why whenever you steer people towards the fact that the government uses violence to get what it want, wants, they always want to turn off down the corporation cul-de-sac, right? Yeah, that's true. That's because true. they know that Every corporations don't have armies. They know that corporations can't audit their tax returns. They know that corporations can't plant drugs in their car. They know that corporations uh, don't run armies that, that, that start wars. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't corporations who get paid for that, like Blackwater, but that money still comes from the government. It wouldn't exist without it. So people uh, want to talk about corporations. Movies. I'm sorry? I say every made-for-TV movie is about somebody, uh, so, so, some little guy making good against a corporation. Or... Oh, yeah, and it's about you know evil and corrupt corporations and so on. But, and the reason is that people can do something about corporations, right? I mean, you had, what, 10 million people picketing against the Iraq war? If you had 10 million people picketing against Coca-Cola, the company would take a massive blow, right? Yeah, that's true. Right? But corporations, the governments are like, bah, fuck you, you hippies. We're going to blow up Iraqis anyway, right? 
so people people want to veer away from talking about the evils of the government in the same way, and this is to personalize it perhaps a little too much, right? But in the same way that when I started talking about the evils that were in my family, everybody just got mad at me, not at the people who had done those evil actions, right? Sure, that, that makes a ton of sense. But, but in the case of uh, corporations, too, you, you also have pe- people, individuals who want to actually uh, use the same gun that the corporation's using. They just want to turn it in the opposite direction, right? Yeah, for sure. They're competing for the, the violence of the state, control over the violence of the state. So, Which, so it course, makes a sorry. lot... Go ahead. Sorry, it, I was just going to say it makes... It doesn't make any sense then to rail against what it is you're trying to gain control over. I mean, really. Yeah, in the uh, – this is sort of – this is a psycho psychological map that is purely subjective and it's just my way of working with it. It doesn't mean anything. But the way that I think about it is that like the government is like the crazy-ass abusive parent and corporations are like the younger siblings. Now, the younger siblings, they do sometimes weasel and curry favor with the parent and so on. But everybody gets mad at the younger sibling because he's helpless and dependent and, you know, whatever, right? But, but nobody has the balls to, to talk to the parents, right, who everyone is terrified of. And to me, that's the same kind of thing, right? Like you start talking about the basic differentiation between a private company and a government, which is that a private company cannot impose unchosen positive obligations upon you, cannot throw you in jail, cannot – uh, does not have the power of, of taxation, does not have the power of war, does not have the power of passing its own rules, does not have the power of the gun, that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant. I mean, that's like having no clue of the difference between lovemaking and rape. Now, it's true that people who have sex often have sex for bad reasons or do bad things, but it's still a voluntary interaction. And if you, if you don't know the difference between sex consensual sex and rape, then I'm not sure what you're doing in the realm of ethics, but you're not doing anything particularly intelligent. And in the same way, people don't want to talk about the violence of the state because they then have to kind of say, well, that's the big issue. And then they have to face their own helplessness and their own fears. And uh, it's bound up with a lot of family stuff. And sorry for the people who are joining this relatively new. This is a a pretty dense sprint through some of the core concepts that we work with here. But uh, it's it's really, really uncomfortable for people, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, they'll, do, they'll do a lot to avoid that. And they'll go back to talking about corporations because, because then there's a fantasy that someone can control – the problem, right? So the, the, the fantasy that, that there's some agency out there that's going to do right, that's going to curb the bad guys, that's going to do all these wonderful things, that's going to be the sheriff in the town, it's going to be the high noon Gary Cooper situation or whatever. If you talk well, that's about... Just, Sorry, go ahead. That's just a rationalization of, uh, of uh, their own desire to use force. Well, it may be. It may be their own fear of force as well. But... When, when you talk about corporations, you have a kind of brain-dead solution, 
and that's not to say that everybody who has this solution is brain dead. I mean, you've got some brilliant people who have this solution. But it's like, how how is power going to be dealt with in a complex industrial or post-industrial society? The government's going to do it. Well, to me, that makes about as much sense as saying, where did life come from? Well, God created it, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a complete and total non-answer. Because if you just say, well, how are we going to deal with the problem of power? Well, we're going to create this massive centralized agency with acre after acre of prison cells and tens of thousands of men under arms and nuclear weapons and aircraft carriers and bombs and scuds and right and and we're going to give this agency the power to to wage war and pass laws and do whatever the hell it wants and that's how we're going to solve the problem of power it's mental right i mean that's what you would expect from a crazy man right yeah, yeah a, a, a a stalin yeah, how, how are we going to deal with the problem of power, with the fact that power corrupts with fear of the power of the corporation? We're going to create a huge, massive, centralized, brutal dictatorship with the power to tax, with guns, with weapons, with bombs, with any, anything that it can get its hands on, with the power to print money, whatever money it wants. That's how we're going to deal with the problem of power and corruption. I mean, right, like we're saying, afraid of power, gonna, so... Yeah, like I'm afraid of power, so I'm going to create the biggest, most monstrous power the world has ever seen, and that's how I'm going to deal with the problem of power. Well, it's not – it's a complete – it's an anti-answer. It's the opposite of an answer because it's a pseudo-answer, right, as we talk about – or as I talk about in the UPB book. It is a complete non-pseudo-answer. It's like saying, where did the world come from? God made it. What's right? Well, whatever some crazy sun-baked people in the <laughs> 5,000 years ago wrote down when they had no knowledge of – modern science or, or tools of knowledge, whatever they said, it's a complete and total non-answer. But it is an answer that satisfies people in a small kind of way. It, or what it does is it allows them to push away the question, say, well, where did life come from? God made it. Okay, I don't have to think about that shit anymore, right? Because <laughs> it's hard to think about that stuff, right? So, and In, in the, the same case way, of they, government. Well, yeah, but in the same way, they say, well, how are we going to deal with corporate power? Well, the government's going to do it. And, and that's just kind of an answer that lets people put that question away. Okay, well, what if I got an answer? Well, we'll pass a law. The government's going to regulate it. The government's going to do it. And that's what I'll call an answer. The fact that it's a complete total anti-answer. But if you, if you then go to the government and you say, well, who's going to manage the government? People's brains kind of futz out, right? In the same way that when you go to Christians, you say, well, where did life come from? Well, if life exists, God must have created it. Oh, so everything that is alive or lives or has conscious existence must be created. Well, you get turtles all the way down, the infinite regression problem, right? Well, God exists, therefore who created God? They futz out, right? Oh, sure, sure, sure. And it's the same thing when you say, okay, so if if the government exists to control power, who controls the government, which is the greatest power? People are just like, (laughs) does not compute, right? Right. Well, and and the significant difference, though, between the state and 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 the church, though, is that, uh, or at least, what I was thinking was that uh, it's kind of a, it's an attempt at externalizing that, that that uh, undefinable fear of power, right? And and kind of giving it definition and and a way to a place that you can go to actually see it and 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 uh, and, and know that it's it's. It's um, or not no, but uh, 
the buildings and and the pomp and the circumstance and everything is kind of a, a, a manifestation that you can you can wrap your mind around, right? Yes, that's true. A decentralized free market uh, DRO situation. There's not a central totem pole that all the savages can dance around, right? Right. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, we'd live in a we'd live in a world with no countries, right? We'd live in a world with no flags, with no national anthems, right? With no armies, with no us, no them, no colors on the map, no borders to pass through, no passports. Right. You just no get up and go wherever buildings. you want. Sorry. No gold-domed buildings that uh, you visit once a year. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there'd, there'd be no C-SPAN to watch. There'd be no politics to watch. There'd be no uh, no laws to follow, no people to root after, no no ticker tape parades for, uh, you know, people involved in mass murder. There'd be none of that stuff. And, and I think people would just be seriously disoriented. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But uh, I, I, I think – I mean I think that the, the fundamental issue, uh, as I talk about in this untruth thing, right? I mean the fundamental issue is that people aren't afraid of power and they aren't – the fundamental thing is that they're just afraid of knowledge, right? They're afraid Oops, of knowledge of their own limitations. They're afraid of – like if, if everybody around you says this is the answer and it takes you about five seconds thought – to realize that it's completely not an answer. People are just afraid of being attacked for that, right? Sure, it's it's social metaphysics, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's just God is fear of other people. Well, statism is just fear of other people, right? I mean, how many people want to go down to the south and say, I don't support the troops, I think they're murderers? In fact, <laughs> I know they are. That would be... Pretty dangerous. That would be pretty dangerous, right? And oh, so yeah. people are just like, fuck, I'll stick a yellow ribbon on my car. What do I care, right? Or, or avoid it and hope nobody asks you about it. Right, right. And, and, so, and this is why I read this thing. I got to tell you, I thought it was staggeringly brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm sort of plowing my way through this book called The White Man's Burden. Um, why the West's effort to aid the rest have done so much ill and so little good. And there was one thing in here. I thought it was just fantastic. Let me just see if I can dig it up. It's everything that we talk about here to the, to the nth degree. Uh, he said, this, what happened was when the uh, Soviet Union fell, there was this kind of, quote, shock therapy that was put in, uh, where people just went and said, okay, we're going to turn everything over to the free market, and you all now have pure capitalism. But of course, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't pure capitalism or anything close to it. But um, uh, what happened was, I'll just read this little section here. Do, 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 do. This guy, he, said, he writes, he says, economists like me were slow on the uptake in that it took us a decade of failure to convince us that top-down the top down imposition of markets did not work. With the World Bank, I was intermittently working on Russia in 1990 to 1995, and I confess I believed in shock therapy. 
like many other Western economists flooding Moscow at the time, I had the most I had only the most superficial knowledge of Russian institutions and history. Economists more familiar with the pre-reformed Soviet Union were much more prescient. University of Maryland economist Peter Murrell, a longtime student of centrally planned economies, wrote a series of articles in 1991 to 1993 arguing against shock therapy as utopian social engineering. At the time, he lost the argument. He wrote to me recently that to try to convince other economists of his views was itself a utopian project, and he turned his attention to other subjects after 1993. History vindicated Murrell's scathing description of shock therapy. There is complete disdain for all that exists. History, society, and the economics of present institutions are all minor issues in choosing a reform program. Establishment of a market economy is seen as mostly involving destruction. Shock therapists assume that technocratic solutions are fairly easy to implement, one must reject all existing arrangements. I just, I love that sentence where he says, he wrote to me recently that to try to convince other economists of his views was itself a utopian project, and he turned his attention to other subjects. I mean, I'm going to write to that guy and just tell him that that's just brilliant. It's a lot about what we're doing, right? <laughs> well, sure, because um, the just, just the whole idea of... Uh, Talking a statist out of, uh, I mean, people who are uh, invested their entire lives in, in the end of that sort of sort of thing is, you're not going to change them, right? Right. You're just not going to change them. And that's of course why we give up on politics, right? Well, certainly, certainly. I mean, there to to throw yourself at it. Uh, in opposition is the same thing as throwing yourself into it in support. It's just the, it's just the opposite side of the same coin. True. All right. Now, did anyone have any uh, other questions or issues or comments? I know we had some newbies in here, and we did take a bit of a sprint through the uh, wonderful world of uh, <laughs> some of the thoughts that we work on here. Uh, did anyone have any other questions or comments? Or you can type them into the... Um, we had a fine lady in here who may have wanted to talk about her boyfriend. We don't know. <laughs> okay, we have somebody who wanted to role play. Absolutely. I always take the role of the slutty nurse, just in case you were wondering. Oh, no microphone. Sorry, the hand puppets. I can't read them. Um, but it certainly does look saucy. So... Yeah, we can give it a shot for sure. Uh, hello. Can you hear me? That's a little quiet. Uh, try again. Hi, 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 hi. <laughs> can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. I had to turn it up a little bit. Don't start yelling, but yes, uh, not too bad. Okay. <clears throat> I'll try because everyone's asleep right now. So. <laughs> Um, Steph, I I just wanted to role play. I, I, I just was debating um a couple of hours ago with a with a friend of mine of college. Uh, she studies. I'm sorry to interrupt you for just a second. Um, you you can't. I'm sorry to to be annoying, but because 
your, um, I've had to turn you up so much, you can't move your microphone because that makes very loud sounds. So just get your mouth in as close as you can, but try not to move the microphone if you don't mind. Uh, and please, sorry, go on. You're debating with a friend of yours? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll try. Um, hold on. <laughs> uh, okay. I think I got it. Uh, yeah. I was debating with her, and uh, she studies sociology. And um, the thing is that on my college, um, there will be, <clears throat> starting tomorrow, there will be a strike. Uh, all the students are going to shut the the university. They're not going to let people in. They're going to stop classes. Um, you know, uh, they're kind of uh, the guys who put masks on and start to fight against the police or something like that. And they're doing it because there will be some changes in the in the in the university and um mo i mean most of the people um doesn't agree and the thing is that uh, she was saying that um that's the right thing to do i mean because the majority wants to close the university and um stop classes and start like to fight and that 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 was moral that Almost every student had the obligation to, you know, to go on the strike and to start to uh, fight against the government or something like that. And I, I was saying that that wasn't moral at all. That I, I, I didn't, they were not representing me, even though they claim to be doing that. Um, that the majority doesn't mean that I that I agree with them and they, you know, the, the whole democratic thing that she said that kind of was saying that um, the majority always like create the moral rights to do stuff. And, and I was trying to debate um, UPB with her and it was kind of hard, I don't know, because she, she kind of avoided the topic, begin to say that now, you know, uh, a society makes the rules um, and, and kind of uh, the rest of the people who doesn't um, participate in the political democracy has to kind of, you know, <laughs> adjust. Right. You could say. Sure. Sure. And yeah, that 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 was like the role play that I wanted to do, but I don't and know. And you wanna you wanna take her her role? Yeah, yeah, I, I would like to do that. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try and make this relatively quick, um, and uh, but I don't want to rush it. But um, uh, the, what what I would do, the, the approach that I suggest, is you just, you have to point out the gun in the room. And that's what I was doing in the chat window earlier with Charles, right? I wasn't pointing it out. I was just asking him what happens if you don't pay for a government school. Well, obviously, they come to your house with guns if you don't reply to the summons, right? So... If you want to try and get people arguing about whether society should make rules, arguing about what participation is valid, whether the majority should do this, whether I mean, to me, that's all a bunch of crap, not your crap, but her crap, that, that is like a big fog bank. It's a big cloud around the gun in the room. So what I would do is say, so if you want to support the people who are on strike, 
do you think that I have the right to shoot you? And what would she say? Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean, like, to shoot you? Uh, I, I, to shoot me? I, I, I don't get it. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about uh, democracy or um, participating in, in, in the thing that we'll get a benefit from. Well, but we're, 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 we're asking a very basic question about the use of power, which is what we're talking about. If you want to support the people who are on strike, can we say that I don't have the right to shoot you for your opinions? That yeah. you're free yeah. to support the people on strike, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I agree with that. I think that you are perfectly free to make your own decisions about your support for the people on strike. Do I have the right to disagree with you without being shot? Yeah, yeah, you can. But it's more wrong. You're not participating in, in the people that we all want. Well, no, no. We're not talking about society, right? We're, we're talking about you and I and what we believe and whether we're free to believe it. I am perfectly happy for you to be free to disagree with me without facing any violence, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be thrown in jail for disagreeing with me, right? Yeah, sure. And I shouldn't be thrown in jail for disagreeing with you, is that right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, well then we're in perfect agreement. That we should not have a law about this, because a law is always about someone getting shot or someone getting thrown in jail, right? And if support, I mean, if support or non-support for this strike is optional, then nobody should get shot for either supporting the strike or not supporting the strike, so there shouldn't be a law about it at all. Yeah, yeah, of course, but no, nobody will shoot you. you. You can not participate or disagree. The thing is that if, if you don't participate in the, in the conversations that we had earlier, trying to, trying to get, um, you know, the, the social um, benefit that, that we try, you know, to, to be, to agree and, and fight um, for, for our rights. If you don't want to do that, no, nobody's going to shoot you or anything. We're just gonna close the university, and for for you know the only people that uh, the only way that that we can like uh, win this this stuff against the government is just by you know going on strike and closing all the classrooms and stop classes. Well, but what if a professor and I want to teach and learn? And we voluntarily, we don't agree with the strike. Now, clearly, you said I should not be shot for disagreeing about the strike, right? Yeah. So, clearly, it doesn't mean much if I can't act upon my beliefs, right? Like, if I said you have the right to strike, but you're not actually allowed to strike, 
you're allowed to believe that you should strike, but you're not actually allowed to strike. And if you do actually strike, then we're going to shoot you. That would not be reasonable, right? Yeah, of course not. No, right. So in the does. same way, in the same way that if I disagree with the strike, I should be free to act on my beliefs, right? And to go to the university and get an education if somebody else disagrees with the strike and wants to teach me, right? Are you willing to say that I should be shot for doing that and the professor should be shot for doing that? I can't imagine that you would be. No, no, of course not. I like you. Yeah, I like you too. So we are in perfect agreement that we should be free to have our opinions, to act upon our opinions, and we're not talking about our opinions being we want to go and rob a bank or, you know, strangle a nun. I mean, we're talking about going to a university, teaching or not going to a university and not being taught or whatever. So we're perfectly free to make those decisions and to act on our own conscience as we best see fit without facing any violence, right? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. But the thing is that, you know, uh, that, that's not going to happen. E everyone agrees with this, with this strike and they're going to close up everything. So, so you're kind of um, so individualistic that you don't care about the people here. We had a big issue with this, with this uh, reform that the government is making in our college. And you just look like you don't care. You, you just care about your, your, you know, your classes and your things. This is for, for the benefit of we all. But don't you like to be better in, in college? Well, you can certainly believe. I, I don't believe that the government is valid at all. I don't believe that disobeying one banditos or mafia dons commandment is the point. I think you oppose the mafia as an institution of violence and evil. So I don't care about one little strike right here on this campus tomorrow. I am after a bigger beast. I am not interested in one fingernail of one claw of the dragon. I want to go for the heart of the dragon. And you can get as upset as you want and do whatever you want about this little injustice in this little corner. But I'm going to spend my life fighting the biggest devil of all, which is violence as a whole, violence as an institution. So I reject the state as an institution of evil, I reject violence as solutions to human problems. I'm aiming my laser at the forehead of this devil, and I think you're more interested in trimming its fingernails, with all due respect. I'm just not interested in something this inconsequential. I don't want to spend my life fighting a little injustice in a little place for a little issue. I want to spend my life targeting the biggest and most hellish devils that bestride the world. So it's not okay, that I don't care. I just care about something which to me 
is much more important than this little thing. But I mean, uh, now now you're missing the point, but because you, you you've come again to this individualistic view of yourself, uh, and there's a lot of people who depend on this university for living. For you know, they don't have much resources, and the state supports almost every one of them for studying here. So these changes are gonna are gonna bring some bad consequences to these people. These people won't be able to study anymore in a few years. So um, you, you, you're not paying attention to the big picture. This is not a huh. small thing. <laughs> okay, look, you can accuse me of a lot of things for sure, but you cannot accuse me of not looking at the big picture. See, some people, and I don't have any problem with it in particular, right? Some people say, we want slaves to be treated a little better. And they run around trying to convince slave owners to treat their slaves a little better. Now, there are other people who spend their lives trying to end slavery. And I'm that person. I'm one of those people anyway. So, when you say, we should try and spend our lives trying to make sure that slaves get beaten a little bit less... I mean, if that's what you want to do with your life, that's totally fine. And maybe you'll be able to do some good. I don't think you will, but maybe you will. I don't know, because I don't care. My issue is slavery is an evil. And it's not an evil we're going to get rid of in my generation, maybe not even in my children's generations, but we will get rid of it. So you can accuse me a lot of things. Do not accuse me of not caring about the poor. I care about them in a way that is much more permanent I care about slaves in a much more permanent way by trying to get rid of slavery rather than bandage up a few of their broken bones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what else would she say, but... Well, yeah, sorry, and just the other, the other thing that I would say is that if she has some other approach about how collective decision-making is really good... Ask her if she will allow her family to choose her husband. Will she allow yeah, I, her I church or her congregation, will she allow some group to choose her husband even if she gets a vote, right? So maybe she's got 50 people in her family and 50 people get to choose her husband and she gets one vote. Does she, would she find that acceptable? Yeah, of course not. Of, of course, course not. not. Maybe, yeah. Of course, I, I took an I took an example, but maybe maybe it wasn't that good because I was I was trying to debate like going going on the topic of the strike. I, I we went so far as to discuss about morality, and I think that's the core issue. You know, uh, she she probably thinks that I, I know I know she thinks that there is morality in the world, but that morality just comes from uh, come from relative societies. I mean, as long as society changes, uh, morality changes for her. And that's a cultural issue, not, not like a universal thing. So I was trying to debate with her um, on UPV. I was trying to get on, on that way. But you took a different approach, like... To, to point again in the room, and that that was the other 
the other option that I had, but I didn't thought about it. Um, probably at the moment that I'll try that. Uh, but um, you know, I, I was I was saying uh, like the majority doesn't doesn't have uh, the the power to make morality uh, because if that would the case, then um, you know, like the thing that you said with um, her husband, but you know, on a on a probably much um, you know smaller or less shocking uh, example. Because if you put it on on that way, then then she feels like it's personal, and that's you know better. It has more impact on um, her thoughts. Uh, well, I think. Yeah, I mean, she's saying basically this is a good rule for making decisions, collective and voting and this, and, but I don't want it for the biggest decision of my life, which is who I'm going to marry. It's like, well, if you don't want it, how can it be a good thing? Is it, is it just for everyone else? Is it like, how is it that you get to be exempt from this rule, right? Would you allow uh, other people to vote on whether or not you got to have children or whether or not you got to raise them or how you raised them? Of course not. People want to make those decisions for themselves. So why is why is it suddenly good for collective things in other less important matters? It doesn't make any sense. But I gotta I gotta ask, what is this woman like phenomenally attractive to you? Uh no. Um she she's I've met her like um I don't know, this year, uh early on. Um she's she's kind of intelligent. She, I mean she is intelligent. And um but uh, we we hang out uh, a couple times, but uh, um, I, I mean she has great personality, and maybe we've never tried these kind of topics before. But we, you know, she sees that like um, when, <laughs> maybe she she thought that debating with me was easier, you know. <laughs> I, I try, I, I show her that that was not the case, and. Um, well, she had to go, and we ended the debate um, kind of early. Did and you? Uh, sorry, I, did you enjoy the debate? Well, yeah, I, I was. I was. I was. I felt like I had um, good points, and maybe she she sometimes felt like she hadn't thought it that way, but. Of course, I think it's kind of hard when you like to admit that, like so so honestly, at the beginning. But she took some time to read what I was saying and and uh, you know make a pause and rethink about some stuff. But she she kept on on, on the same things. And I, she she said at what point that um. You know, because um, directives, I don't know what, what was the name, like, the yeah, the, the head of the university, I don't know, will be the principal or something like that, uh, of, the, of the college uh, was making some decisions to reform the, the whole university, of course, with the support of the state. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to interrupt you because I've... I I think you're rambling, if you don't mind me saying so. <laughs> um, and because I'm having trouble following what it is that you're saying, or, or and I'm not sure if there's a question anywhere in here. 
Um, and no, I don't yeah, mind. Uh, I don't mind that in particular, right? I just sort of wanted to to point that out. Um, yeah. Because if if, yeah, sure. if you enjoy debating with the the woman, then that's great. Then you should debate with her or not, as you see fit. But I would definitely suggest that you you, you guys need to decide on like what are the rules of debating, right? Because it sounds like she's just tossing a bunch of credible opinions around, right? Like, I've heard this, and this seems right, and reality is, is, is sorry, ethics are subjective and cultural, and of course, most people believe that, and, and you know, collective decision-making in the form of voting is essential, and we have to help the lot of the poor, and we do that by putting them in a better position vis-a-vis the state. Like, all of that stuff is pretty common fodder for modern pseudo-intellectuals. So, I would, you know, maybe send her a something that you think is a good intro to philosophy, maybe my videos, maybe something else. But, you know, is it reason and evidence that is... Because you guys are starting to philosophize way down the road. Like, I don't get into politics until, like, the eighth hour of my introduction to philosophy. You guys are starting right at the end. Now, you don't have any framework for working these questions out, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, you're like, you're like Orville and Wilbur Wright saying, okay first thing we need is a jet engine. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> first thing you need is to get off the ground at Kitty Hawk for 100 feet, right? Yeah. So I would forget about politics and, and, and say, okay, well, how do we know if something is true or not? Because if you don't have agreement on that, then you're not going to be able to get anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. What is true and what is false? How do we know something is true? How do we know something is false? I mean, if you can answer that, then you could start to build a framework. And that's hard stuff, right? I mean, there's lots of stuff out there that can help you with that. But, I mean, to just jump straight into politics and attempt to work your way back, I just, boy, that is a, that's, that's just not going to work, right? You can't, you can't build a bridge by starting in the middle, right? You've got to start at one end or both ends and work your way towards the middle, right? You guys are starting to throw bricks in the middle of a canyon saying we're building a bridge, but you're not because you don't have it, you don't have them anchored to anything, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. You have you have a good point there. Uh, I kind of thought that and I was trying like to, you know, uh, try to define things like morality or something like that, but uh, it's totally true. We have to begin with how do we know something that we're saying is truth or not? To begin with the question, is there truth at all? That would be the first step. And, and, and I think you, you, got, you got the point. That was probably the, probably yeah, the best and, way and she, to... And she's going to say that there's no such thing as the truth and, and so on. And if she goes down that road, I mean, I don't mean to pump my own books or anything like that, but... I don't know that you need to reinvent the wheel. Just hand her a copy of UPB or, or whatever and say, you know, re- read through this. Translated before. <laughs> yeah, translated translate. first. Yeah, okay. Well, let, let me know when that's done. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, and, I'll get on it. Yeah, no, listen, you, you, you focus on your studies. We'll, we'll save South America no, no. later. Don't worry, Steph. Don't worry, Steph. The, the strike gonna, is going to last a long time, probably two or three months. It's, oh, it's going to be long. Then you, so, there's so, nothing better that you could spend your time doing. And look, if we sell a bunch of copies, I'll send you a bunch of money, right? I mean, anybody who translates uh, my books gets half the uh, half the profits. 
for, for, for quite some time. So, uh, you know, go for it if you can. And if you want to, I certainly would be thrilled to have a Spanish language version. Um, so, uh, okay, yeah, well, listen, uh, it's getting uh, kind of late, so I'm sorry to, to cut this short, but uh, I'm going to have to try and get to, uh, to bed. Um, excellent questions. I mean, it, it is a tough thing that you're doing. Uh, I hope that you do um, get what you want out of this relationship with the girl. Um, I hope she's worth it because uh, it doesn't sound like she's coming from a very open-minded place, but maybe that's not the case. But, um, uh, you, yeah, just, just keep keep going back to the gun in the room and keep saying the UPB argument is if this is a good idea, then it should be a good idea for everyone all the time. You can't just sort of pick and choose these rules. And so if she says, well, we should do it this way, then uh, it should be this way for everything, right? So, Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you very much, Steph. You're very, very welcome. And thank you, everybody, for dropping by the impromptu late-night chat. Uh, I certainly enjoyed it, and uh, I wish you all the very best.